Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit, with your host Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding. Welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm Andy Schurich. I'm here with my fantastic co-host, Stacy Wedding. We're here recording at NV Energy, which is why it sounds nice. Thank you, NV Energy. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents the Nonprofit Everything podcast. So if you're not a member of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, that's actually a really great way to support the podcast. You can you can check the Nonprofit Everything show notes for a link, or it's alliancefornevadanonprofits.org. And again, this runs on your questions. So if you have something you're curious about, something you want us to talk about, you have a guest expert you want us to bother, send us the question, let us know who you want us to talk to or what you want to talk about, and we're happy to add that to the show. Today's Nonprofit Everything podcast is sponsored by the LGBTQ Community Center of Southern Nevada, best known as The Center. For more than 25 years, the center has cared for, championed, and celebrated LGBTQIA individuals and those who are underserved in Nevada. The center is a haven for all, welcoming and celebrating the diversity of our communities and helping empower people to live authentic lives. See thecenterlv.org for more information or check the Nonprofit Everything show notes for a link. All right, Andy, I'm curious to know your opinion on this one. What do you do when your boss sends you information about an event, meeting, etc., and asks if you're interested, particularly if you're not? What do you think are the downsides of saying no thanks? And do you think generational differences play into expectations around this? For example, if I'm in my early 30s and my boss is in her 50s. <laughs> Stacey and I, we were both talking about this question before we taped it, and we were both laughing that when we first heard the question, um, I at least identified with the 30 year old person in the question and then quickly realized that I'm actually not that person. <laughs> I'm, I'm the other one. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure I did that, except I read the question and thought, oh, no, I'm the old bag, right? Like I'm in my you know mid 40s. So. Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, my first question would be, I want to clarify, like, what kind of events are we talking about? So are is she asking you to parties? Like what's going on? Or is it like a is it is it work related or not work related? Because I think my answer is different. For both of those things. Mm. I think if it's work related, if it's like, um, hey, the Las Vegas Economic Club is having an event Tuesday night and they've got the guy that's from the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco and he's going to talk about economic outlook for the next year, like post COVID and what they think is going to happen. I mean, even if you find like just the words that came out of my mouth made your eyes roll in the back <laughs> of your head, like if, if, if that's like the least interesting thing you can think of, like there may be a reason that your boss is telling you that this is something you might be interested in. Maybe they want, maybe they want you to grow in particular areas and, uh, or understand more about, you know, economics or like the way the community is going to react or so that you can be more proactive. Like there might be a business reason that they're telling you about these events. Um, if you're a development person, maybe they just want you in the room, like so that when everybody has to stand up and introduce themselves, they can say, oh, yeah, she's from that organization. I know them. They're great. Like and they might, maybe somebody comes up after you and asks you a question about your mission or something that they want you there for like a like a development or a public relations perspective. Like Maybe there's a reason that you're supposed to be there. Um, so so I I would 
you know, take that advice. I, you know, I, I wouldn't do it for free. I would, you know, if you're an hourly employee, I would make sure that that's, you're being paid to do those kinds of things. If you're a salaried employee, I would make sure that you're sort of banking your time to make sure that you give yourself enough time off so that you're not working 80 hours a week for a job that you're only being paid for 40 hours a week. Um, so I think for, for that perspective, I think that's probably my answer. If it's something different, if you're, if your boss is asking you to go to a bar with some other friends or something like that, then, then I would start to feel a little bit more uncomfortable about the question and think, and I don't, I, and me, like, this is my opinion. <laughs> this whole, yes. whole thing's always our opinion, right? <laughs> it's like, we need to preface that, right? Like, obviously. Yes. Um, I like to keep work and not work separate when it comes to friendships and things like that. And I think part of that is because like later on in my career, I was in charge of HR, right? So I went through this, like I used to be, I used to hug people all the time. I hug people all the time. It was just like how I grew up yeah. Every, you know, I, I grew up in the sort of the performing arts sector and people are hugging each other just constantly, right? There's this sort of like completely different um, sort of intimacy rules about like when you're, when you're in a theater and you're dealing with theater people all the time, like they just hug each other. That's just what they do. It's right. part of the culture. And then I moved into different sectors and like the museum worlds, they don't hug as much. Right. Um, and it, finally, once I got to the HR perspective, it was like, I had to kind of draw a line. Like I can't hug anybody. It's just, it's not, it's just not possible for me to hug anybody. Right. Ugh. This is like, it's a rule. So it's tough. Major, yes. Now it's a rule. And I've, I've kind of grown into that. Like I, I don't hug anybody now. <laughs> like, like if someone hugs me, I will probably hug them back, but I'm not going to initiate a hug just straight, straight up. Right. Um, so I forgot where I was going. The, the, I think so. So keeping that barrier between like a personal relationship and a business relationship, I think for me has always been, um, that's been important. Um, I, that, I just always feel like that's something that I want to keep those two worlds separate um, for lots of reasons. I, yeah. I agree with that. And I guess I just keep thinking about this as someone who, you know, obviously was once in my early 30s and and younger. And maybe it's my people-pleasing tendency, but I can't ever imagine having my boss ask me at any age, ask me to do something like, I'm going to assume this is work-related, okay? So I'm going to preface it with work-related, but ask me to do something that I wouldn't say, yeah, I'll get like, I'll give it a shot. Like, to me, I don't even know how, I mean, I don't know if this is more of a casual kind of like, hey, I saw this, you might want to go to it. And I think there's an opportunity to ask a few questions, be like, oh, cool. Like, I'd love to know more about it. Do you, is there something you had in mind with it? Or um, have you been to one of those meetings or whatever? Like, I think you can also kind of ask some questions that don't look like you're interrogating your boss, <laughs> but that kind of understand where your boss is coming from, to your point, Andy, because like, I would want to know, perhaps my boss sees, thinks I'm like, you know, too hibernated and not getting out enough and things like, and I just think there's a way to ask a couple of follow-up questions to really kind of get a pulse on, is the boss just saying like, you know, take it or leave it. I just see these things and pass them along and it's completely up to you. And do they truly mean that versus, you know, it kind of, I'm trying to get, move you and push you in a very friendly direction into some new new t- territory. So I think asking a couple of questions is always good. And I guess I also, I will say as someone who has been in that position where I've shared opportunities that I've seen for others, I don't love, I'm just going to be honest, I don't love it. I always will do it with something with an intention in mind. So I'm not, I wouldn't be like, so I would be the one where 
if you asked me some follow-up questions, I would probably share it with you. I'd probably share that with you on the outset, to be honest. I'd be like, hey, I see this opportunity. Here's where I think it could help you. Like, I think I would just communicate like that. But the key is, is like, I think if someone, if I had a younger employee, just be like, no, thanks. I, I would be blown away. I'm just going to say it would not, not not blown away in a positive way. I'm just going to be real. And so maybe I'm showing my age here, but I'd just be like, are you serious? Like, you're not willing to just like, I gave you this, like, I put this on your desk and shared this opportunity with you. And you're not willing to at least give it a shot. Um, anyways, what does that tell me about you? Are you even open-minded and open to trying new things? Like, I don't know, to me, it leads me down a spiral. So I do think, and that probably is an age thing. So I think we should we should see if we can find someone who's an expert in kind of these generational differences in the workplace and maybe maybe take this a little deeper. I am joined by a special guest, Maggie Harris. So Maggie Harris is a Gallup certified Clifton Strengths coach and consultant. Welcome, Maggie. Thank you. It is so awesome to be here, Stacy. So glad to have you. So before we we get dive into the real question, why don't you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, well, I kind of came into this career um, a little uh, strangely. Um, I had a 30-year marketing career and in 2016 left an, an agency in Northeastern Ohio where I lived at the time um, as a partner. Just It just had, had gotten to the point where it was sort of sucking the life out of me and, and I wasn't really able to do what I do best every day any longer. And um, I took a year off to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And I, I remember that I had I had been working with a tool called, at the time it was called StrengthsFinder. It's now been renamed Clifton Strengths. And I've been working with that since 2002 here in Las Vegas and in Ohio. And it was just something I was really passionate about because the tool, it's a um, an assessment that delivers your, um, your top talent themes out of 34. Um, and it, it really helps people to focus and invest in where they have natural talent versus fixating on their weaknesses. And I was really, I was able to see the power of it and the success of it in so many individuals and organizations um, that I decided I'd get certified and that's what I wanted to do. So that's really been sort of the foundation for my business for the last four, four years now. But my gosh, I've met so many great people in this field, and st- and I count Stacy among them that have been incredibly inspiring. Um, and it's just a very supportive community, and I'm I'm just excited to be on the podcast. I'm excited to be back in Las Vegas, and I'm excited to be working with organizations um, like the ones that I'm fortunate enough to work with. Well, we're excited to have you on, and we're excited you're back in Las Vegas to kind of help us make sense of some things. So. Making sense of this question, it's a great question and one that uh, Andy and I did a little bit of answering of, but we realized that there was probably room for someone who knew a bit more about generational dynamics. That is such a great question. And I, I did neglect to mention that is an area that I actually teach a class on at UNLV Continuing Education, which is generational differences in the workplace and man- how do managers work through that. And um, it's it's really become quite a big thing because right now we have five generations in the workplace. 
and um, and there are a lot of differences. So the first the first response I would have to that is what is the relationship you currently have with your manager, right? Do you have the kind of relationship where you can have a conversation around development expectations? Because that might be the backdrop for why they would can, would think about having you take this course or go to this meeting because they want they believe it's an area that you where you can develop, where you can continue to grow. So if you can have that conversation, sort of like um, I'm not really sure that this is something that's that, that will value me, that will bring value to me. But tell me what you're thinking so I can understand why you think it might be valuable. You know, sort of having that discussion. I always like to, uh, I always like to stress to not make assumptions, right? So don't assume, oh, they think I'm really bad in this area, so I have to get better. It may just be they want to offer you an opportunity to grow and learn. And as a caveat to that. Um, people in their fifties are the, the, the upper fifties are the, the back end, the bottom end of baby boomers. And then it goes into Gen X and Gen X was really sort of the generation that, that sort of very started the whole idea of growth and development, right? So that is a really big deal. If someone in their fifties recognizes and is offering growth opportunities. So always acknowledge the positive, um, and, uh, understand that, you can also say something like, well, I'm not so sure this is this is of interest, but I'd really like to learn more about X. So take advantage of the fact that they're offering some kind of growth and development opportunity, and it will give you an opportunity as the employee to stress, hey, these are some of the areas I'm really interested in growing. Can we look at something like that? Um, but it really sort of comes down to the conversations and the relationships you have um, good bosses are constantly having conversations and check-ins with their employees, not necessarily about um, what, are, where are you on this project, although that's part of it, but more along the lines of how are you doing? What do you need help with? Um, what are you really excited about this week? What, what are you kind of nervous about or whatever? How can I help? So if you have that kind of relationship uh, between boss and um, employee, it's much easier to have those conversations. Um, and if you don't, there's there's some really good ways to sort of back into it and say, you know, this you've been, you've offered me this. I'd really like to talk about my development a little bit more. Is this a good time? You know, something along those lines. I love those suggestions, and I really like you saying maybe don't make assumptions. I think many of us are guilty of that, right? And we automatically in our head create our own story around why someone's asking us that. And uh, it that can be really challenging, right? Because we're making a whole lot of assumptions we don't know about. So I think that's a great um, point. So Maggie, I'd be really curious to understand a bit about those five generations in the workplace. And maybe you can share a snapshot of each, particularly given what you said about Gen X being really the the brainchild or the really passionate about growth and development. I'm curious to know, what traits and characteristics show up for the other generations as well in the workplace? That's, that's a great place to, to start for sure. Um, the oldest generation currently in the workplace are the traditionalists. And they're, they are, according to um, Pew and some other really reputable research, they define those as people who are at this, in 2021, are 76 years old and older. It is less than 2% of the workplace and probably even 
less than that um, coming out of coming out of the pandemic because so many just you know decided to retire. It does represent a, a group of people who have to work. You know, unfortunately, are in that age range and simply don't have the means to live without doing some kind of work. And others who choose to work, right? They don't want to. They don't want to retire and and die, so to speak. Um, the next is baby boomers, and they are roughly 57 years old to 75. So, uh, for example, I'm the last year of baby boomers, right? So there is some overlap. Um, so I do carry some um, Gen X characteristics because I fall right in, you know, it's like a Venn diagram. So I fall within that. And right now, baby boomers, well, prior to the pandemic, they represented about 25% of the workplace. Um, however, a really interesting statistic is um, they left the work the workforce en masse um, last year. And in fact, uh, 3 million more baby boomers than expected left the workplace in Q3 of last year. Oh, wow. Because they, they just don't didn't want to go back. And they have much less financial worry than uh, Gen X, um, certainly millennials, and at this point, Gen Z. The next generation is small. It's the smallest in terms of years, um, but it's Gen X, and they are essentially 41 years old to 56 years old. They represent 33% of the workplace. And, and as I mentioned, these are sort of the latchkey kids. These are the ones that really fared well during the pandemic, by and large, um, because they, know, they knew how to be alone and self-start because they had to do that. They came home from school and they had to do their homework and things like, you know, things of that nature. So, but they really started sort of this, hmm, I'm looking at the baby boomers and I don't want to be that person. I don't want to work that much. And I want to, I want to develop. Um, and then came millennials, the most, in my, in my opinion, um, the most misunderstood generation. Millennials run from 25 years old to about 40 years old. And a lot of researchers and organizations divide those, divide that into older millennials and younger millennials because there are behavioral differences in them. But they really drove, started to drive home the idea of, I want to work at a place that values me, that really truly values what I bring and who's really interested in my development. And I want to understand what the mission of the organization is. I want to understand how I can deliver on that. How, how is what I do every day related to and tied to our mission and our purpose? Um, and they're also extremely um, socially, from a social justice perspective, and, and I don't even know if that's the right word, but, but just they're very, they're, their number one concern is, is our earth. Yep, total environment, right? Yeah, that's where we're and, and I'm thinking about what you just said, because I'm also thinking this this generation sounds like they you need to have the right types of communication with them, such as I need you to do this project. And here's how it's tying into our larger goal of where we're headed. Like like there, it feels like you've got to have more of that kind of communication. Is that fair to say? It's 100 percent fair to say. And it's and it's a beautiful thing. Because if you think about it, Gen X and well, primarily millennials and then Gen Z, they they are they are creating and forming and designing the workforce of the future, the workforce of today. If you don't connect those things, if people don't understand the value that they bring, that that, that there's someone that cares about them at work, um, they're going to leave the organization um, by and large. And many will, you know, the the old adage is people don't 
quit jobs, they quit managers. And that's true because managers in much of the baby boomer and traditionalists um, were managing process. And because our, that's, we were a manufacturing and industrial nation then. Our, our, the kind of work we're doing is so different now. It's really important that managers look at, and this is what a lot of millennials are doing um, as coaches, right? They, they have their team. They need to make sure they're putting all the players in the right place. And in order to do that, they need to understand what their strengths are, what their talents are, Absolutely. so that they can put them in a place to succeed. And That's they, exciting. I mean, and I love that you, when you said they're misunderstood, I, I would like to know more about what you mean by that. Cause I'm, I'm guessing a lot of our listeners probably fall into millennial Gen X or baby boomers. Right. And I guess I'm thinking from a millennial perspective, it feels like for, I can share at least in my world, like I would say over the last several years, I've heard people talk about, oh, I can't manage this millennial. Oh, these millennials. Like there's this sort of bad rap that comes or people actually, I've heard them say, I don't want to hire a millennial, which as we know is discriminatory, but, and not proper, but like they, they literally steer away from people and may, and I'm sure there's the difference and you'll talk about it between the older and younger millennials, but, but gosh, to understand this, I mean, they're not going anywhere. And I guess I'm just wondering where, how did this misunderstanding uh, sort of really given a bad rap to millennials, where did that come from? Okay, so that's a great question. And it came from the fact, largely, not entirely, that the, the millennials, if you think about the progress that we made in technology and the kind of work we do, everything has sped up. So, you know, they, if you think about just their listening devices, they went from, you know, in some cases, records to Walkman, Walkman, whatever, Walkman, I yeah. to the, what the little mini iPod thing was before. I mean, so they, the, the types of progress and change that have happened during their life, lifetimes is far more quickly than, than baby boomers and even Gen Xers, right? So they've experienced a lot of change. They're more adaptable to change and they want to help drive change. So I think that's a big part of it. Another really big part of it is they had a chance to look at what their parents went through, like baby, um, yeah, baby boomers. And in some case, um, older Gen X. And they're like, uh, uh-uh, I don't want to, I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to live my life because you know, all the hours they worked, baby boomers have significant chronic health issues um, because they simply were not taking care of themselves. And they're looking at them and saying, I'm not doing that. I'm not interested in that. Um, and I think there's a lot more entrep- entrepreneurial spirit and opportunities too, given a lot of the um, uh, the changes in technology and changes in all these ancillary, ancillary or you know uh, opportunities and to 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 start new things. I mean, um, <laughs> I've got millennial nieces and nephews, and half of them are doing startups right now. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, shoot, I could, I would never have the courage to do that at that age, right? <laughs> and they do. They have the courage and the confidence. They're also much. They're also highly educated uh, compared to previous generations. Um, but the thing that that always sort of annoyed me, and then became more less of an annoyance and more of a battle cry for me when I really became an expert on the generations is. The word that people use to describe millennials are entitled. And it it burns me up because 
that's such a that's such a baby boomer expression. It just burns me up that, um, <laughs> that um, because every generation has entitled people. Every generation has people who are workhorses. Every you know that those are not labels you can place on a generation. Entitlement is largely related to uh, socioeconomic. Um, environment in which you were raised. And many millennials were raised by helicopter parents, the baby boomer helicopter parents. So yeah, some of them do feel that way. Not their fault, right? Um, but you you see entitlement in every generation. There's just so many other factors that affect a person's behavior and a person's work style than just generations. And that's kind of one of the takeaways is there's a lot of other things that influence it. As you said, like there's no, there's, we're seeing some of these traits and qualities in every single generation. And it doesn't just mean (laughs) that only entitled people are millennials. So I think that was another good distinction. People tend to get black and white with some of this stuff and not see the gray. Right. You've got socioeconomic, you've got their family life, you have their level of emotional intelligence. How resilient are they? What are their strengths? Um, Where are their biases? Um, what's their community like? Um, you know, were they, it's just, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of other factors. And in fact, that's a really important point that I really try to drive home in many different ways when I teach the class, because it is not the only, there's, it is not the only lens through which we view people. Um, and it, and I do get frustrated when people say, I just don't want to hire another millennial. Well, part of being a boss and is building a team um, or being a coach even, is building a team that's diverse. And there's so much talk about diversity and inclusion, and that, include, that includes different generations. And that's Absolutely. really important. Absolutely. All right, so we've, we've hit on traditionalist, baby boomers, Gen X, millennial. So now what is next? Is it Gen Z? It's Gen Z, yes. And Gen Z is going to be really fascinating to watch. So they're just entering the workplace. They represent... Um, oh, by the way, millennials represent right now 35% of the workplace. Gen Z is about 5%, and a lot of it is kind is uh, more entry-level positions. Um, so a couple of things about Gen Z, fascinating. Um, they crave much more in-person communication than millennials. It's really important to them. Um, and they struggled significantly de- during um, COVID, and you can see it in the schools. This this generation is um, mental mental um, mental health, the risk of mental health, the number of people who have suffered from some sort of mental health issue, is um, it's a it's a pandemic in itself. It's an epidemic, and um, they've been through a lot in their young lives. And when you think about, I'm gonna throw a little neuroscience your way, Stace. When you think about the fact that a, a, a the brain does not, the frontal lobe of the brain where there's logic and reasoning does not fully develop until you're about 25 years old. So you've got a lot of emotions, you got a lot of, you know, a lot of things going on with this generation. And this really was devastating to so many of them. Um, But that craving of, um, I really want um, to be talking to people, to be seeing people. And I know- my daughter constantly wanted to, you know, needed to FaceTime with her bosses when she was working from home for, you know, a year because it, there was just something about that. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how resilient they are. And it's just going to be really interesting to watch this generation as they um, 
as they as they age, as they grow, as they enter into the workforce, um, and see, you know, people are talking about the nine to five day is going to be gone. Um, I mean, that was created <laughs> for a manufacturing and industrial age, and uh, it's just going to be uh, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of watch and see how they grow and and see how they see their impact on all all different parts of of behavior. I'm thinking back to the original question, right? about the different expectations that might come into play from an older boss asking a younger boss if they want to attend something. And it sounds like your general advice might be to ask some more questions, but perhaps now that someone's got the lens of each of these generations, asking those questions and keeping these different sort of traits and characteristics of each generation in mind might help them know how best to navigate that answer. Right, yes, it really will. And like I said, it, so much of it comes down to the relationship. Um, and I can't over, I just, that just cannot be overstated because it's really critical that the only, that you're having ongoing conversations, not just once in a while about, you know, perfunctory things. Um, and, but, but again, it's a lead in, you know, if you really take the positive, it's a lead in to, um, a, a really good development discussion period. Well, um, and you and know, I, one of the, one of the things I shared with Andy, when we first, when the two of us responded to this question, and I'll, I'll give you a, a sneak preview of it, Maggie, you haven't heard it yet. But one of the things I said, and here, you know, there's differences out there, even with just personalities. And I don't know if it even has to do with generational or not. But I always said that it, Right now, today, as a boss, if I gave an employee something that I thought I suggested they might go to or said, hey, you might want to take a look at this and attend, I would have an intention behind that. I wouldn't just be, oh, this thing came across my desk. And my assumption would be a lot of people would just share that with some forethought, whether it's like you said, development, whether it was an area of improvement or growing or whether it was perhaps maybe the goals of the position are to meet new people. And so there would be an opportunity to meet new people and network in something that, you know, is offered. So I think, again, sort of asking those questions of the person who's presenting it to you can really help you get clarity of where they're coming from. And, you know, I would be, I also shared and disclosed, if I offered that opportunity to an employee and they said, no, I'm not interested because for whatever reason, they didn't find value, I would probably be a little taken aback and probably not look at that in a positive light. So, so, mm -hmm. but someone would need to know that working with me, right? <laughs> well, and I think, you know, you make such a great point is, um, you know, if you're having ongoing conversations about your goals and the things that you want to be able to grow in, and it, it doesn't align with that, that's, you know, you can have a discussion, but, but if some, I agree, and that's probably a little bit of the older Gen X baby boomer where they present it without any background, such as, you know, I saw that you, you're starting to do more presenting. I thought this might be really helpful because I think you have a lot of potential and this might really, you know, there's the way, there's the how you do it. They're really, you know, really, that, that matters. As we know, the how is so much more important than the what. Yes. Um, and, and the why is important. Why do you, why is this important to the organization, to my development? 
Um, and I think older, um, and I don't want to say older because it sounds so discriminatory, but bosses who were trained that way um, should think about the perspective from which their employees are going to be receiving the information because they want transparency. And, and they, they, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a really good thing in an organization. Um, and it, it's one that. of the key things in improving employee engagement is keep, up, keep people informed. Right? Them, it's it's so basic. And yet it's something we see that doesn't happen often. So, well, I know this has been so informative and insightful. And I want to just wrap up by, by asking you, Maggie, if there's any closing thoughts or I don't know, words of wisdom you have for those who are going, oh my gosh, there's a lot of nuances and differences and things to take into consideration. What any closing words of wisdom? Um, yes, I think, and it, it's somewhat contradictory to all the generation talk, um, but that is that is one that is one lens. There are so many other lenses. And I guess probably don't make assumptions based on exteriors or preconceived bias, right? Because we all have bias. And um, if, you're, if you don't think you do, you can go to take Harvard's bias assessment and they'll tell you where kind of they are, which is an amazing tool. Um, and you know, assumptions, assumptions crush workplaces and judgments. They crush them. Um, have the conversations. Um, what do you need from me? What, you know, I, I, that was the best advice I gave to my daughter when she started her new job two and a half weeks ago is make sure you're asking for expectations. Make sure that you're, that they're clear. And fortunately, she went to work for an amazing company that is very employee centric. And, um, so she feels, she, she feels valued and she feels like they're setting her up for success. Hooray! You made it through another episode of Nonprofit Everything, and we are so glad you joined us. We can't thank you enough, our loyal listeners. You bring us a lot of joy, and we love your questions, so keep them coming. Of course, we've got our phone numbers, 702-900-4656, or check us out, find us, submit your question on nonprofiteverything.com, or you can also be a sponsor. And when you sponsor, you're actually supporting Anne, the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. Anne is an amazing organization that supports nonprofits of all sizes and shapes and uh, helps make this podcast possible. So thanks again for listening. Mm -hmm.